Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I have to be thankful for. Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I have to be thankful for. Well, that video captures this weekend's truth. Gratitude and ingratitude are reflections, not of the circumstances of our lives, but of the true condition of our heart. I mean, gratitude stems from the heart, not the conditions of our lives. Ingratitude comes from within, not from what we have or don't have in our lives. And there's a ministry experience of Jesus that really makes this clear. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, here's what God shows us. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Leprosy being a devastating disease, not much longer experienced in this world. Still present in some places, but at a very limited basis. But back then it was huge. And it was so devastating that people would be removed from their community connections so other people wouldn't get it. And the only people you could hang with are other people with leprosy. So these ten men with leprosy traveling together. But you couldn't get close to anyone without the disease. And so they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he said them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Now the priest was the one who was able to pronounce you either clean and able to be a part of the community, or unclean, diseased, and you had to separate from community. And so when he said, go show yourself to the priest, what he was saying was, all right, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to heal you. And so the passage goes on, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, did you see something interesting in that last sentence? What was it? One. One of them, when he saw he was healed, they all saw they were healed. But one, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. I mean, couldn't control himself. Threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, expressed gratitude to him. And and then the Bible says he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were kind of... The lower side of humanity, there was a lot of bigotry against them. They were devalued as a people group. So when the Bible says he was a Samaritan, what it's saying is the people 
most disrespected, the individual most disrespected by the community of that day, in the culture of that day, was the one who expressed gratitude and those who saw themselves as more valuable were ungrateful. And then Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? I mean, isn't that a beautiful question? Do you think he knew the answer to that? Yeah, he's making a point. Hey, thanks for coming back, but weren't all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? And just so you know, the Bible doesn't do things unintentionally. It's making it very clear. The vast majority, no matter what happens in their life, no matter what God does, no matter what sunshine God gives them or rain pours down in their life, the vast majority are going to be ungrateful. Wanting more, wanting more, wanting more, never satisfied, never happy. But the one came back and was grateful. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, Jesus says, and he's not demeaning him. He's saying, so it's the one that you devalue that's showing me the greatest value. And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This passage is a beautiful picture of our truth. Gratitude and ingratitude have nothing to do with the circumstances, the conditions of our lives. It has everything to do with the condition of our heart. These nine had their lives transformed. They were still ungrateful. The one who came back and expressed gratitude, it was because of what was inside him. Your faith has made you whole. I just need us to understand this. The condition of our heart ultimately determines the level of our gratitude, not the circumstances of our life. And yet this isn't how we live. I mean, come on. Most of us believe that if we had a different job or a different boss, then we'd be more grateful and we'd be more happy. I mean, there are some of us who, who believe if we had a different spouse, then, you know, we'd be more grateful and happy. I know I hear it every week from my wife if I just had a different spouse, you know? It's like we, we really believe that changing circumstances would change our gratitude, but that's not true because the circumstances change and our Gratitude quotient remains the same because gratitude results from the condition of our heart. Great example of this in, in a real world way is found in so many different stories, but one that blows me away is about a woman named Fanny Crosby. She died in 1915. That's long before any of us were born. For you young people who think I'm ancient, that's even before I was born, right? I mean, 1915, long before we were born. And yet her life is still positively impacting multitudes of people every week here in the 21st century. But, but when you know the circumstances of her life, it's surprising that she still makes a positive impact. It's surprising that she ever made a positive impact. From a typical human perspective, she should have been a very unhappy, angry, embittered woman whom always saw herself as the victim. You see, not only did her father die when she was just a very, very young girl, but when she was six weeks old, though she had been born with perfect sight, a doctor made a mistake. And through this doctor's negligence, she, at six weeks old, lost her sight and was blind for her entire life. In all honesty, the tragic and traumatic circumstances of this woman's early years would have been more than enough for her to have grounds of a lifetime of self-pity and bitterness and, and psychological disorders, not to mention a lifetime obsessed with the need to get revenge, to go after that doctor and anyone else the attorneys could sue. Yet in her autobiography, this wonderful woman wrote these words. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for the dispensation. It seems that my God intended me to be blind and I thank him for his goodness. What is wrong with this woman? She's got a screw loose. Seriously, I mean, look. thanks God for making me blind. Awesome. It doesn't make sense, right? 
She seems odd. There's something wrong with her. Some, something's gone wrong. She, she's illogical. She's just trying to justify her circumstances and rationalize where she's at so that she can tolerate the life she's been given because we all know you can't be thankful for that. That's how we view this. The doctor was normal. He knew that through his negligence and mistake, he robbed this little girl of her sight for the rest of her life and he couldn't forgive himself. He took it out on himself and he ultimately moved far away. She never saw him again, but there was no room for that kind of resentment in Fanny Crosby. She wrote, if I could meet the doctor now, I would say thank you, thank you over and over again for making me blind. Once again, she needs a doctor, a special kind. Because this isn't right thinking. This is wrong thinking. We can't relate to it. The blindness that most of us would have considered a curse was considered by Fanny Crosby to be one of her greatest blessings. How could that be? Here's the answer. She trusted and loved God enough to consider her blindness as his special gift to her. My God is good and my God is all-knowing and my God has Wonderful things planned for me. And so this blindness has to be his gift to me, she thought. Because of her unbelievable attitude and her grateful response to life's tough turns, instead of curling up in the fetal position and hanging out in the corner of some dark room somewhere and forever complaining and playing the victim, this woman became a profound success. In fact, she literally became one of the greatest spiritual songwriters that the world has ever known. She wrote approximately eight thousand songs during her lifetime hundred million copies were out there and many of those songs are still frequently sung in churches all around the world and to what did she credit her success i'll put it in her words she wrote i could not have written thousands of hymns if i had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice she says, I would have never, ever felt so deeply. I would have never, never been so committed to expressing those feelings, those realities of my relationship with God if I'd had the inconvenient distraction of being able to see other beauty with my eyes. Fanny's very first poem that we know of was written when she was about eight years old. And it reflects the perspective that was hers until her death at the age of 95. Eight years old. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. So weep or sigh because I'm blind. I cannot nor I won't. Eight years old. You know what eight-year-olds are doing today, right? Cool, Dad. Look at the car. They're not producing deep thoughts like that. Most 50-year-olds are still playing Space Invaders instead of actually thinking. I mean, this person was writing deep, impacting thoughts that adults have a hard time relating to. Why? Because she accepted that God gave her the gift to feel more deeply, to think more profoundly, to express it more artistically, all because he limited her senses. The story of her life is a beautiful picture of the truth of this weekend's talk. Gratitude and ingratitude have nothing to do with the conditions of our lives. She was blind. And it was done to her. Didn't just happen as some random freak nature of the universe. I mean, it happened to her. And yet she was still filled with gratitude and joy. Why? Because gratitude and ingratitude are reflections of the condition of our heart. Not the circumstances of our lives. This is important to me to understand. Because I'm going to tell you. Quite frequently I can find myself being ungrateful. Can you? After eating 10,000 calories in the matter of 10 minutes on Thanksgiving Day, I can still be ungrateful. And so can you. And so we have to look within to our heart 
when we find ourselves being grateful or ungrateful to figure out where it's coming from instead of the circumstances of our lives. And I know most of us intertwine it into our prayer life. Oh God, if I just had this, if I had that, if you would change this, if this would go away, if this would come, then I could be grateful and then I would be happy. And we're lying to ourselves because it's a condition of our heart. And it won't change no matter what changes on the outside. So if it's going to change, we have to look within. And as I look within, I I, I realize from the Bible that there are really only two types of hearts. And each of us has one or the other. When we're finding ourselves grateful, we have the one. When we're finding ourselves ungrateful, we have the other. Which means more often than not, we have the one that leads to ingratitude, right? Because that's where we live so much of our lives. Two types of hearts. The one that produces ingratitude, the ungrateful response, is the self-focused heart. The self-focused heart. In the story of the the ten lepers, the nine lepers were self-focused. Yeah, 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 that's great. It was no problem for us. He just told us to go show us to the priest and and now we're healed. Have things to do, have places to go, have have opportunities and obligations. Now, You know, I haven't had a job for a while, time to get that. I haven't had a relationship for a while, time to get that. And it's all about me, me, me. You know, and we move forward. Self-focused hearts leads to ingratitude. Look at the description of self-focus in 2 Timothy 3. Verses 2 through 4. See if you see any of this in you. Because I do in me. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. I'm sure we have no one like that in this place. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Of course they're unforgiving. Because realize this. When you're self-focused and someone hurts you. You're not going to forgive them. You're going to get them back. You have no gratitude whatsoever in you. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it's not just people out there. I, I love it in, in, in churches and spiritual places where people are gathered, you know, feeling really good about ourselves because, hey, I got out of bed and I came to church. God, you owe me. That kind of people. You know what usually happens when you read stuff like that? Yeah, that's what people out there are like. Those lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. They're sleeping. But then it says having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, this is going on in God's church. This is going on with those who claim to be God's people. Have nothing to do with them. Being self-focused is to be human. And that's what drives God away. That's what pushes us away from God. And this is very true of people who believe they have a relationship with God. People like us and some of us who do have a relationship with God. Because you know what happens? We in this world have a tendency, a a susceptibility to become self-focused, don't we? I'll just ask you a question just so I can make sure I'm being relevant. Was there any time this week that you were focused just on yourself? On Thanksgiving, you just made plates for everyone else and did nothing else, you know? When you saw that great pie, you just made sure everyone else got it. You know what we do when we become self-focused? We still pray. We Christians, we still pray, right? But we pray to get. Dear God, here's the thing. You know, life's not going the way I have planned. You're really messing it up. So I'm needing you to change some things. Here are my three wishes this week. And it doesn't matter if the wishes are granted. We'll still be ungrateful and we'll go to him for more. We have a never satiated passion for more. Because it's the only way we can try and overcome our emptiness. We pray to get. We serve to get. We love to get. We give to get. Uh, Truth is, some of the most bitter and unthankful people I've ever met are people who call themselves Christians and are very active and faithful to a place called church. Some of the angriest and unhappiest people I've ever met sit in places like this. Not you. People in the other services. (laughs) And so I thought about this a lot because it's a problem I have. It's a problem we have. And I, I, I put together a sentence that has really helped me to understand the importance of gratitude being beyond a holiday and being a foundational characteristic of life. And, and this is such, I think, an important principle that, that I'm going to say something I don't often say. I don't often talk about social media and stuff, though it's extremely relevant. I don't often talk about it, but today I am. 
What I'm about to say is tweetable. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, if you're on Twitter, you have to tweet this. If you don't tweet this, I don't think you can go to heaven when you die. I mean, I mean, this is serious business. And if you're not on Twitter, you know, you go, I'm not on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. Well, you're probably 80 years old and welcome to the church as well. You know, that kind of thing. And that's great. You can put it on Facebook. And for those of you really relevant, I, I just do Instagram. I just do Instagram. Well, great. Let me stand here, take a picture. Make sure you use a good filter. Make me look better than I look. And then put this sentence underneath it and post it out. This is really important to understand. Are you ready? Unhappiness always walks hand in hand with ingratitude. Unhappiness always walks hand in hand with ingratitude. Constant companions... When you're ungrateful, you're unhappy. When you're unhappy, you're ungrateful. Boy, there's a lot of ingratitude in this world. No wonder there were nine who didn't come back in the story and only one who did because that's the truth of the world. There's a second kind of heart. This is the heart that leads for the one to come back and with a loud voice to fall at Jesus' feet and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the one that leads someone like Fanny Crosby to come and say, God, thank you. Though I've been robbed of that which most people value the most, I thank you because it's helped me to become everything you've created me to become. And what's that heart? A God-focused heart. A God-focused heart. Let me just read some passages. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Speak to, another, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now just stop there just for a minute. Who does that remind you of? Just trying to give you the answer. I already taught. You mind you, Fanny Crosby. Speak to no other one, one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual. All she did is write songs. Blessed assurance. On and on it goes. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Uh, who's that remind you of? Fanny Crosby. Why did she do that? It doesn't make sense. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. Wait a minute. That's Fanny Crosby. She was always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, even her blindness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way to give thanks for everything because he makes this moment irrelevant in light of eternity. And so in the name of Jesus, we can thank God for everything, Fanny Crosby, and then we'll start making music in our heart and singing in our heart to the Lord and we'll start speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's Fanny Crosby. Who's the one that's messed up it's not her, it's us. Who's the one that needs some help? It's not her, it's us. Because she understood that gratitude was a condition of the heart, reflection of the heart, and it would motivate her to become everything God wanted. She had a God-focused heart. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, you know, if you've been in church for a while, if you're a guest, that might sound like a weird phrase to you, but if you've been in church, you've heard that before, and you go, yeah, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. Can I say rejoice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't do it. I hate that verse. I'm just going to be honest. Rejoice in the Lord always. I wish it said rejoice in the Lord when you get what you want. I'll say it again. When you get what you want, rejoice. I'd go, I'm awesome. But it doesn't say that. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Which means Fanny Crosby's the one that's right in the head. And I'm the one that's wrong in the head. She's right in the heart. I'm wrong in the heart. She was rejoicing in being blind. Does that sound biblical? Yeah. It just doesn't sound human. Jesus did something supernatural in life. And look at as this verse goes on. When you rejoice in all things. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, there's that word everything again, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You don't wait to thank God until you get what you want. You thank God because you're going to be thankful whatever he does. And then he says, and when you're thankful like Fanny Crosby was, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see... The Bible makes sense when you apply it to real world. Fanny Crosby transcends my understanding 
Because Fanny Crosby was a person who lived these truths out. She was grateful. People who have God-focused hearts, they pray, but not to get. They pray out of gratitude as an expression of gratitude to God. Thank you, God, I'm blind, Fanny prayed. They serve out of gratitude. They love out of gratitude. They give out of gratitude. Not because others give, okay, I'll give and I'll, I'll do this. They give out of gratitude to God. Who cares what anyone else is doing? They live out of gratitude. And as both of the passages we just looked at made clear, these are the happiest people in the world. Because just as unhappiness is always walking hand in hand with ingratitude, so happiness is always walking hand in hand with gratitude. Constant companion. So let me ask you, based upon your last week, Have you been a happy or unhappy person? Have you been a grateful or ungrateful person? It's a big deal. And here's the fact. Some of you are going, you don't understand my life and you don't understand my circumstances and you're right, I don't. And you don't understand mine. But here's what I do understand. Every single one of us has the capacity for gratitude which means every single one of us has the capacity for happiness irregardless of the circumstances or conditions of our lives. You know why? Because of this fact. Here's the fact. God expresses his love and his goodness to all people. God doesn't just express his love and goodness to some people. And that's how I feel sometimes, don't you? I look around and I go, how come you don't love me like that? Imagine my wife going, look at all these great looking, nice husbands in this room. How come, God, you don't love me like that? God expresses his love and goodness to all people. Look at Matthew 5.45. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He expresses his love and goodness to all people. You know what the problem is? It's not with God expressing his goodness and love. You know what the problem is? No matter what God does, the majority of people still aren't grateful. Please mark this down. I'm telling you, our problem is not with God. Our problem is with ourselves. God has not failed us. We are failing ourselves and him because we refuse to be grateful. Nine guys got healed of leprosy. That's a supernatural miracle that just cannot be expected. And they still weren't grateful. And let me just tell you, you woke up this morning and you still weren't grateful, some of you. You went through this entire last week and you had all kinds of wonderful things in your life and you still weren't grateful. The guy in the video is perfect. Oh, dear God, I'm struggling. Help me to see something to be grateful for. I'm walking, I'm living, I'm eating, I'm laughing, I'm drinking, I have a job, I'm going home, I have shelter, I have a car. Oh, God, I'm struggling. (laughs) Help me to find something to be grateful for. And I'm not making fun of him. This is me. And you know why I can be honest like that in front of you? Because you're worse than I am. I mean, we're all messed up. The majority of people still aren't grateful. We're like the nine lepers instead of the one. And you just need to know, this is a big issue because ingratitude messes us up. Because ingratitude walks hand in hand with unhappiness. The minute I choose not to be grateful, I've just chosen to be miserable. It messes us up, but it does more than that. Ingratitude leads to bad choices and to darkness. And you think about it, every bad choice I've ever made in life was to try and find something or get something or earn something that would fill me up and make me happier and it ultimately is a bad choice because there's only one thing that can fill me up and make me happy and that's what Jesus can do me and in me. Look at Romans 1, 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise they became fools and what did it all come from they would not give thanks to God and it led to bad choices and darkness what's interesting to me Fanny Crosby couldn't see lived in physical darkness her entire life and yet she walked in unbelievable light and there are people who see the light with their physical eyes who are consumed with darkness and despair every day of their lives why an issue of the heart 
Gratitude. Ingratitude messes people up. Ingratitude leads to loss, not gain. Ingratitude leads to misery. Because ingratitude means that no matter how much God does for me, no matter what God offers me, I'm still going to be miserable. It leads to loss. Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8, talks about two different kinds of people. Uh, The first, many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face, God, shine upon us. Now, understand what's being said here. Think. Many are asking, who's going to do something good for us? Here they are living in the world. Here they are, you know, loving. Who's going to do something good for us? Oh, God, come on. Do something good for us. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. You know, they're like Eeyore. You know, black clouds over their head. Dust trails following them. I mean, whatever cartoon you're into. I mean, it's like. And it's like, when's God going to do something great? And then look at the second person in the psalm. I I don't know. I think I had too much coffee today. Are you think so? I'm not positive. I could have. But look at the second guy in this psalm. I'm just thankful I'm not talking about money. That's all I, I'm telling you. That's, haven't said one word about Well, I guess I just did. Blew it. All right, here's the thing. Look at the second guy. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. He says, a lot of people are saying, when are you going to show up and do something good, God? Let your light shine on us. All we're doing is experiencing darkness. In the same moment, this guy's saying, God, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when all their dreams come true. And so I lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Ingratitude leads to loss and misery. God can be doing all kinds of things and you're not seeing it. You're not experiencing it. It's a thing that messes us up. So let me ask you this question. How about us? Grateful or ungrateful? Thankful or unthankful? Are we like the nine or the one? Are we like Fanny Crosby? Or does our gratitude rise and fall with the tide of life's circumstances? And I'm going to tell you, by nature, I'm just trying to be honest with you. My, my gratitude tends to rise when circumstances are good and tends to diminish when circumstances are bad. Are you like that? Which means we've missed the whole point, see? If we really want to live positive and joyful lives, then we have to live grateful lives. But if we're going to live grateful lives, then we have to answer a real tough question. How? I mean, I've struggled with this a lot. How can I live a grateful life? How can I be more like Fanny Crosby? How? And I, because it's important to me. I'll have the conversation with you. I've I've dug in, and I, I think I found some ways that if we... If we start applying them to our lives, we can become more grateful. And since gratitude and happiness walk hand in hand, more happy. Here's the application. We need to remain grateful by consciously remembering what he's done for us. We need to be, remain grateful by consciously remembering, calling to mind what he's done for us. Like the one leper who said, man... I know I've got a lot to do, but this guy just healed me. Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That'd be a pretty good thing to have on your mirror in the morning, wouldn't it? Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Consciously remembering what he's done for us will help us to stay grateful. We need to consciously remember what he's done for us as individuals. We really do, because he's done some amazing things for us. I mean, it can be really simple. It can be he's given us life. For, for me, it's a simple thing that I, I have been forced to remember because of some of the environment I was raised in. My, my dad had polio when he was 17 years old, and polio is not very active anymore, but it destroyed every muscle in his legs. He couldn't walk. He had no natural muscle mass in his legs whatsoever. At best, he walked with crutches. Usually, he couldn't even do that. My mom had to carry the groceries in from the car. My mom had to carry us. My mom, if we were going to play football with someone, had to play football with us. My dad couldn't walk. 
Every time I held one of my kids, every time today I hold one of my grandkids, every time I run and spin and I love to do exercise because I keep remembering my dad couldn't do this and I can. And it just fills me with gratitude that I have legs to walk on. And one other thing thrills me with gratitude to know that my wife thinks I have gorgeous legs. I mean, that also fills me with gratitude. I'm being serious. And, you know, I, I, I've looked in the mirror. They are awesome legs. They really are. I, I would never be on the platform in shorts because the rest of you guys would never again be looked at the same by your spouses. It's just a, whew, be a tough thing. All right. Moving on. Consciously remembering what he's done for us. It gets so much deeper than that. Because you see, we can experience forgiveness because of what God's done for us. I have blown it in so many ways I can't number them. And yet Jesus, because of what he did for me in dying in my place, has made it possible for me to not be defined by my many failures but to be defined by his unbelievable success. Do you know if nothing good ever happens to me again in life, that is enough to remain grateful over? Eternity is mine because of him. God's given me protection and provision and purpose and love and hope and meaning. I personally believe in and I'm struggling with it, but I personally believe that once you experience Jesus in your life, you never again have a reason to be ungrateful. Never. We are such ingrates. We are the nine lepers because he has transformed our lives when we've put faith in him and we remain ungrateful? No wonder we're unhappy. It's ridiculous. Some of us here, you've yet to experience the profound transformation that Jesus can do inside of you because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And I I just want to encourage you. Look at John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If all you have is this moment, then you're going to never be grateful and you're never going to be joyful for the long term because... Everything hangs on this moment. And let me tell you something about these earthly moments. Not many of them are great. But when you have Jesus, he gives you eternal life. Do you know what this moment is in light of eternity? A blink of an eye. Fanny Crosby lived 95 years blind knowing that it was just a blink of an eye in relationship to eternity. And so she lived for the God who gave her eternal sight instead of being bitter and angry and rejecting him for the fact that she had to blink in this life. We throw so much away for the moment. God so loved, he gave. Have you received him? Before I just finish these last couple of principles, I I want to give you an opportunity to receive him. So would you just, for a moment, bow with me in a word of prayer, just a, a quiet moment. And if you're here and you've yet to step into a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you, pray with me. You don't do it out loud, you can do it in your heart, but take these words in my prayer and make them yours. Just say, God, I believe you love the world. You loved me. And sent Jesus to die for me. And in this moment I'm believing on him. I've sinned against you. I've failed. I've messed up. But Jesus I trust your death on the cross to forgive me. And your resurrection to give me new life. In Jesus name. Amen. If you just prayed with me before I finish the talk I, I just really want to encourage you please let us know we, we put together a letter about next steps that you can take in your spiritual life but we have to know you prayed with me and so if you're in one of our services we give you these programs and inside is this connection card you just it's easy to rip out you fill it out you check off that circle at the bottom it says today 
I prayed to receive Jesus in my life. And then when you're leaving, there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in one of those and we'll do the rest. We'll get you that information. And if you're watching online, not only are we glad to have you participating with us, but you can do the same thing by hitting the what next button on your tablet or your computer. We have to consciously remember what God's done for us as individuals if we're going to remain grateful. But we also have to consciously remember what he's done for us as a church family if we're going to be a grateful church. Because we do life in community, right? I've been a part of the whole church deal for a long time before I knew Jesus and after. And and let me just tell you something right now. There are some very ungrateful churches in the world. Filled with angry people and bitter people and that's how they act and all that different stuff. And, And there are some grateful churches. Do you know what the difference is? The people in the church that's grateful are grateful. The people in the church that's ungrateful, they're ungrateful. It's a reflection of the heart. And we at Northridge have to remember what God's done for us as a church. I know from experience that most people can't even imagine being a part of a church family like this. And yes, size is is certainly obvious, but it's not about size. I pastored a church of 18, a church of 60, a church of 100 before I had the privilege of coming here some 24 years ago. And I'm telling you, it's not about the size. It's about what God's doing. And most churches can imagine what God's doing here. Do you realize every single week people are coming to faith, going from not knowing God to knowing God because of what God's doing here? And in most churches, that doesn't happen even once in a year. We have to remember what God's doing here. We, we're in a place that no matter where we're at in the spiritual journey, no matter how mature or immature we are, we can be refreshed spiritually and challenged spiritually and go deeper in our spiritual life. I mean, God's doing great things here. We... We here at Northridge can invite our friends always knowing they're going to hear God's truth, but they're going to hear it in a way that's relevant to their real world lives where they can make sense out of it in their day to day. And even more importantly than that, we know we can invite our friends to Northridge and they're going to get a spiritual conversation and not spiritual condemnation. And that's a big deal. That doesn't happen in many places. We have to remember what God's doing in our church family. We have a church, think about this. We have a church where people are fighting over parking spaces. How cool is that? And I'm serious. For years, for years, I used to go, God, how come people are fighting over, you know, spaces at the, you know, winning sports teams places? I mean, it's like they'll inconvenience, they'll walk miles, they'll do whatever to, to go there, and churches are empty. And here, we have a church, think about it, we have a church where there are traffic problems and parking problems, and people are still going, oh, I can't believe it. I don't think I'm going to go. Those traffic problems, all oh, the parking is terrible. Well, I've got a solution for you. Why don't you go to a church that no one wants to go to? No traffic, no parking problems whatsoever. There you go, right? I mean, we have a place where God's showing up, and it's fun to be, and it's encouraging, and we can grow, and yet people are thronging to it. That is awesome. It's just awesome. We need to be thankful for it. We, we have a church where we can always know that the poor and the hurting and the broken and the lost will never be forgotten because they're the focus of our mission. We are going to invest in them and seek to reach them. That's an unbelievable privilege. We get to be part. We get to be part of a church where people are willing to sacrifice themselves to help others in serving and in giving. And you want proof of that, you just have to go back to last weekend. I know not everybody could be here, but last weekend, we had so many from our Northridge family, and it might be hard for a guest to understand, but from our Northridge family who said, you know what, I'm all in. And together here, we took out a commitment card and We filled out a commitment to take a forward step and in some cases a forward leap in our our willing to sacrifice financially so that we could do ministry in this place. And during this all-in series, we we saw all the ministries on boards that, that are changing the world around us. And then as we filled out these commitment cards last week, we showed those ministries with the all-in heart around it because it only happens when people go all-in. And then after we made our commitments, we got to put Sharpie to rocks and we got to tell the story of what God's doing. I love that one right in the middle. I can't, but God can. No kidding. I mean, it was just a beautiful moment. And that doesn't happen in a lot of churches, you know? 
And, and I just want you to know, because I know some of you couldn't be here and some of you are still wrestling, there's still time and opportunity for you to step into this all-in thing and make a difference. And in fact, here in Plymouth, we have the chapel all set up. It's behind the lobby and behind the guest service thing. And you can get cards and you can make a commitment and you can fill out your rock and become a part of that marked moment together. And if you're watching online, you can do it online at northridgechurch.com. Become a part of something that God is doing that's just amazing. Gratitude always leads to that kind of joyful sacrifice. And here's the fun part. Next weekend, I'm going to share the results as we know them so far of so many of you going all in and what we're going to be able to do as a result of it. And I'm really excited about sharing that with you. But look at, you want to be grateful? Just consciously remember all that God's done for you as individuals, what God's done for us, and you'll well up with gratitude, but it goes further. If we're going to remain grateful, we need to remain grateful by focusing on the eternal and not the temporal. This is easy. Fanny Crosby would have been a miserable human being if she thought all she had was that moment and someone stole her sight, but that's not what she thought. She knew that for eternity she could see And the suffering of this present moment in her life wasn't worth comparing to the glory that would be revealed for all of eternity. She focused on eternity and not the temporary. She remained grateful. Can I ask you the question? What was the last thing you griped about? And what will it matter in heaven? Isn't it sad to lose these precious moments we have on this planet By whining about things that won't even matter when we're in that place Jesus has made possible for us. Look at how Paul did it. And Paul suffered so much. He was in prison and all kinds of things he didn't deserve. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. There he says it, the circumstances of our life. He's saying this. This is, this is biblical. The circumstances of our life suck. But inwardly, inside, we're being renewed day by day. To which you go, come on, it doesn't say suck. Do you know Greek? <laughs> it's the original language. It's right there. Suck. That's what he said. For our light and momentary... I just lied. I just want you to know I lied. That's a lie. It's not there. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all this temporary stuff. So here's what I do, he said. Here's how I get through the junk. I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You want to be grateful? And remember, gratitude walks hand in hand with joy, with happiness. You want to know true joy? Then you need to see the eternal instead of the temporal. And finally, look at 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 18, one of the profound sentences of the Bible. Look at what it says. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that's an interesting phrase. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know what I've been asked a ton in my life because I'm a pastor? You know, I've been asked a ton. People say, how do I know what God's will is for me? How do I know what God's will is for me? And you know what they mean, right? How do I know if I'm supposed to live in Michigan or Florida or Hawaii? By the way, if you're have to ask that question? No wonder you're in Michigan, right? Okay. But I mean, they're talking about geographic. Where am I supposed to live? And then they, you know, how do I know God's will for me vocationally? Am I supposed to be a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor or a factory? What, you know, how do I know what God's will is for me vocationally? And I'm going to tell you, I believe God has plans for us vocationally and geographically, but if we can make sense out of it or how we've gifted and experienced, he has plans for it. But let me tell you, the most important aspect of his will is what we do in the geographic location we're at and in the vocation we're in. And God's will of what we do is supposed to be this. We are, by God's will, supposed to be joyful always. How are you doing? We are supposed to, by God's will, be praying 
always praying continually by God's will. We're supposed to be giving thanks in all circumstances. In other words, because Fanny Crosby doesn't make sense to me, I yet don't understand God's will. I'm yet to understand it. She understood it. Even in my blindness, I'm supposed to be joyful always. I'm supposed to continually pray and I am supposed to be thanking God in all things because that is God's will for me. She made a profound impact in this world because she understood God's will was to take what is and be joyful in it, pray through it, and be thankful. And in so doing, she could find joy. You want to remain grateful? You do it by remembering daily to do what the nine lepers forgot and the one remembered by remembering to daily say, thanks. Thank you, God. When you hit your bed, instead of being like the guy in the video, I'm struggling, God, looking for something to be grateful for. When you hit your bed, you should say, God, today wasn't a great day. But you're a great God. And I'm so thankful for today. And when you wake up, you can say, God, I'm quite sure today is going to be an awful day. It's easy for Roxanne. She wakes up, turns over and says, ugh, it's going to be an awful day. But she says, thank you, God, for giving me another day and for being such a great God. And what walks hand in hand with gratitude? What walks hand in hand with gratitude? Happiness. Always remember, gratitude and ingratitude are reflections of the true condition of our heart. So choose joy. Protect your heart. Stay grateful. It's not a holiday. It's a choice. And when you make it, life becomes all God designed it to be. I'm so glad you were here. Thanks.